My guest today is Samantha Roberts. Samantha is a pharmacist and in the role of the Controlled Substance Program Manager for Emory Healthcare. Samantha, in looking at your background, welcome, by the way. Thank you. In looking at your background, I see that you have several years of retail pharmacy in your background, which I find a little interesting because transitioning into hospital pharmacy can be difficult. I did the transition, but I'd only been in retail for about a year alongside of skilled nursing facility and then into pharmacy. So um, I'd like to, after you transitioned into pharmacy or into hospital, not too long after you went to Emory and took the position as a controlled substance manager. So I'm guessing there might be a little bit of a story there. It's a semi-traditional path considering you are a pharmacist at all of those places, but a pretty non-traditional path if you look at the course that many pharmacists take. So give us a little insight into that background and how that all came about. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yes, it, it was sort of a, a non-traditional journey. Um, I did start out as a pharmacy technician uh, way back in the day. And so uh, before I even decided to go to pharmacy school, that was a position that I held. Um, really, it had developed a, a great interest in the profession and um, helping others. And so I decided that um, pharmacy was a career that I wanted to pursue. Um, so all throughout pharmacy school, um, I, I worked um, for Publix and um, just had a really great um, experience, um, kind of worked my way up to um, becoming an assistant manager, a manager, and ultimately a district su supervisor. Um, uh, but, you know, kind of what led me to um, reconsider my path was the fact that, um, you know, in pharmacy school at that time, we didn't have um, APPE uh, rotations or, or I'm sorry, IPP, IPPE rotations. And so um, you, you only kind of know what you know. Mm -hmm. And so I had um, a little bit of, um, you know, curiosity about what, what did the other side look like? Um, and so um, I was really fortunate in that um, a, a pharmacy director took a chance on me, um, knowing that I would have to put in a lot of effort after so many years of being in the retail world. Um, you know, to, to kind of um, polish that skill set that I learned uh, back in school. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I got into that environment. I, I did as much learning as I could. Um, and then ultimately, uh, the position came available at Emory, and I decided to um, push my boundaries a little bit. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, I have worked with other people that have done the transition. And um, some of them turn out to be the best hospital pharmacists. So it's great that you found a director to take the chance on that because it does require more of a uh, handholding, shall we say, just to kind of get them up and running and to dust off those cobwebs and, and things because it is completely different. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Now, the position at Emory, did was that controlled substance program manager a new position or was it something that somebody had vacated when you stepped into it? Uh, no, it was actually a brand new position. Um, previously, all of our different sites had um, different mechanisms by which uh, they monitored for controlled substance activity um, and movement, um, but um, there wasn't an official system role 
at that point. Um, there was a committee that had done a lot of work around um, policy and procedure. And so I think they just realized that, um, you know, in terms of drug diversion in particular, it's, it's really a patient safety issue. Um, and not only that, but it's an employee safety issue. Um, and so uh, rather than, um, you know, be reactive, I think um, Emory wanted to be more proactive um, to mitigate that sort of risk. Um, and so that is kind of how this position was born, um, you know, a, a desire to look for patterns and, and to have somebody as a resource within the system that has the dedicated time to do that. Excellent. Yeah, everything you said there is certainly true. It definitely is a patient, patient safety, medication safety, facility safety, employee safety. Yeah, it's all wrapped up together. And it's nice to have it standardized too across the system. That's yes. great. Can you tell us what some of your earliest accomplishments were when you first took the role or um, any, any advice on things that you found that others may want to consider if they're just starting things they should address and, and look at and do? thing. Yeah, and um, I think with, with my scenario, it was really great that it was a new position um, because it allowed me to come in there as a fresh set of eyes. Um, and so I think, you know, the longer that you're at a, a particular facility um, or employer, um, you kind of, you kind of lose that, um, that acuity. And so you, you're just used to whatever goes on um, and, and you take that as it, as it is. But um, coming in, having a fresh set of eyes, um, I did a lot of work rounding with um, our various pharmacies and rounding on the various nursing units um, just to see, you know, what are your practices? Are they, um, are they compliant, first of all? And, and second, um, you know, are they best practices? And, and is there room for us to um, expand upon what it is that we're doing, um, you know, to create the most safe environment we possibly can, not only for our, our employees, but for our patients. Um, and so I used um, the Minnesota Hospital uh, guidelines. I used um, uh, the Mayo Clinic uh, diversion um, guidelines, as well as ASHP, um, to sort of create a, a workflow, a document for myself that as I was going through, I could really look and see, you know, um, where are we doing well, let's celebrate those successes, and um, where are our opportunities. Um, and obviously, um, the low-hanging fruit there is, is the easiest to, to address, um, but sometimes it really is that, that easy win that you can get just by going through and saying, oh, well, have you thought about doing it this way? Um, and just because you kind of have been there for a while, maybe you haven't thought about that. Um, or maybe you've only been at one facility for the entire tenure of your career and you haven't been exposed to doing it a different way. Um, so I think those were those are my earliest um, successes and, and the way I approached it. Yeah, I agree with you. A fresh set of eyes really makes a difference, doesn't it? And it's amazing how many times you could ask the question, well, why do you do it like that? And they right. just look at you like a deer in the headlights, uh, just because we've yeah. always done it, right? <laughs> and so when you start digging in, people don't really know why. And you're right, if they don't have the experience at other places to know how people do it, they don't know why, and mm -hmm. then they don't have any other experience, then they just 
do it. And so it's good to have those conversations to make exactly. people kind of think. Yeah, so good. So basically a full gap analysis. Did you find a lot of differences in the different sites um, or were they pretty similar to each other? Um, I would say there's a lot of similarity and, and there are some differences um, just because with our particular healthcare system, um, we have had some acquisitions over the years. And so I think, um, you know, there's always some remnants of, of the old ways and, sure. um, you know, uh, really trying to, to um, move towards a approach of systemness um, is a challenge, I think, for any hospital system. Um, but overall, I would say, um, you know, for the most part, you would see um, pretty consistent, pretty consistent. Um, yeah, issues. Okay. Yeah. You've been in the role for a couple of years now. Is that right? Two and a half years. Yes. Two and a half years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it seems like a long time, but those of <laughs> us in uh, those of us that, well, it may seem like a really long time to you, but um, those of us in the industry, we know that two and a half years, you, you feel like you'd have this long list of things that you've done, 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 but your list of to do's is probably longer than your list of Duns, right? Because it just takes time. Absolutely. But so far in the time that you have been there, are there any um, lessons learned so far that you wish you had done differently? Um, not necessarily that I wish I had done differently, but um, definitely lessons learned. Um, you know, I think it's it's really important that you are intentional about bringing people to the table. Um, I know that a lot of uh, drug diversion programs rest only with pharmacy or they rest only with nursing or only compliance. Um, but the reality is um, drug diversion doesn't happen in a vacuum. And so it's really, really important that there are all stake stakeholders uh, invited to the table. Um, I think that um, we've done a really good job with this. We have a uh, drug diversion prevention and intervention committee. Um, and we have folks from HR, from security, uh, to diversity, equity, equity and inclusion, making sure that um, we're handling everything consistently. Um, so really not just thinking about it as, well, I'm working in a silo um, and, and moving towards a, a team collaborative approach. Yeah, actually, wise, wise words. Now with your, <laughs> it does, it, it takes everybody. You, you can't, yeah, one, one department cannot handle it because if you don't have buy-in from everybody, then not only do you not have their expertise, but you probably don't have their collaboration because. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, you may not be exposed to some of their workflows mm -hmm. or some of the things that they put into place for very good reasons that you just don't know. Um, I would say you don't know what you don't know. And so, uh, you know, getting those, those really um, uh, collaborative subject matter experts uh, around you and, and, and picking their brains, so to speak, um, I think is a really important step. Yeah, and you know, pharmacy also doesn't want to look like, or whoever is handling it, the the hammer that's coming down on everything, right? It, it's we all need to be doing this, and there's a reason for it, so it's important. In your role as controlled substance program manager, I am sure there is much more to it than just diversion monitoring and prevention. But can you share with us a couple of areas that you have on your immediate to-do list that you're working on? Sure. Um, so one of the things that we are working on right now is 
implementing a drug diversion system. Um, so uh, we went through the vetting process of um, looking to see, you know, what all of the different vendors had to offer. Um, I think that it's it's really important to move toward. Um, you know, a machine learning approach to where you can have a proactive approach, um, again, as, as opposed to reactive. Um, and so you can sort of um, narrow down the needle in the haystack, so to speak. Um, so we are, are in the process of implementing that. Um, and of course, education is, is very um, prominent with that. I don't think you can have one without the other. Um, and so we work very hard on um, educating on diversion, uh, substance use disorder, prevention, um, all of those things that kind of um, cause people to go down, go down this road uh, in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, the other thing that I'm, I'm really passionate about is um, relating to that is changing the way that um, the healthcare system views um, diverters and, and, and diversion. Um, I think that, you know, yes, this is an act that is, is illegal um, and yes, there should be consequences, but um, how would you want to be treated if you happen to have this disorder um, and you had all of these stressors in your life and, and you really just didn't have any coping mechanisms? Um, you know, when you're at your lowest, when you have lost your job and you're faced with financial implications and, um, you know, lawyers and courts, um, how would you want to be treated um, for a disease? So I think it's really important that, um, you know, we, we look at that issue holistically. Um, and that's, that's something that I, I, um, I have a, a place in my heart for. Excellent. Yeah. And I don't know if Emory is doing this yet or, you know, maybe in the future as you work with that, the reintegration of them into the system, which can really make a difference. And then, you know, studies show that there's a much higher rate of self-reporting then because they know that it's a safe space. So it's all integrated together, right? Because we, we know that most healthcare workers do not have a substance abuse problem coming into the field. It develops later and um, it certainly wasn't their intention to, to be in this place, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, if you could get, well, first of all, I want to say there's another project that you worked on probably not too long ago because you were published recently. Yes. Right? You want to give us a little congratulations on that? Give us a little overview on what that project was. Sure. Um, so I, I also do a lot in terms of opioid stewardship for our system. Um, and we have just various initiatives going on at any one time. But um, we we wanted to take a look at, particularly during the pandemic, um, at resources for patients to dispose of their controlled substances. We know that um, statistically over 50% of uh, patients or, or I've users, I would say, of, of controlled substances that don't have uh, a true medical indication uh, receive those controlled substances from family and friends. And so um, what we really wanted to encourage our patients to do is, um, you know, when they are done, you know, in their, um, with their acute 
uh, pain and uh, maybe after surgery, post-op, um, that they have a mechanism to dispose of those extra controlled substances safely. Um, so we, you know, in combination with everything going on in the pandemic, we didn't want people to have to necessarily go out um, and seek out a drug disposal box. And so uh, what we did at one of our hospitals was we provided a, um, a little packet that um, dissolves and renders the medication inert. Um, so we gave out those packets post-op um, for everybody that had a controlled substance and um, had a really good outcome in terms of um, use and intent to use uh, if, if they were still in pain and maybe they weren't ready to um, dispose of that prescription. Um, we had great outcomes in terms of, of use and um, uh, interesting information that we kind of um, discovered retrospectively uh, about patterns of use um, of these sorts of, of um, packets and disposal uh, mechanisms when a controlled substance uh, take back bin is not close by within your zip code. Um, so it, it was interesting for sure. And, um, you know, like I said, some of the, the outcomes that were more retrospective were not something that we even expected to find, mm -hmm. um, but we wanted to provide that service to our patients. Yeah, that's great. Making a difference. If we all make a difference where we can, then it collectively adds up. That's great. Absolutely. If you could get a group of experienced controlled substance program managers in a room, is there a single question that you would like to ask them? A single question? That's a really hard yeah, I would say, you know, and this may be pretty basic, but I would say, you know, what has worked for you and what has not worked for you? Um, I think this is sort of an, a, a, a new area of, of pharmacy um, and there's just no need to reinvent the wheel. Um, there's not as much uh, out there in terms of publication as there would be with, you know, other um, other types of positions. Um, and so it's really important that as a community, we have a place to go and, um, you know, a way to um, bounce ideas off of each other and, mm -hmm. and um, not, you know, spin our wheels and um, work on things that uh, maybe won't be as fruitful as some others. And so having just even this outlet um, is, is great for people like me that um, just want to learn more about, um, you know, what, what has worked for you, what hasn't, um, and why. Yeah, in relation to drug diversion prevention and monitoring. Yeah, all right, everybody. So you heard the question. Those okay. of you out there that have been doing this for a while, Let's answer some of those for Samantha and give her some of those ideas of things that you have really found that has worked for you. I would also like to know, and maybe Samantha, you have some input on this too, depending on what you're doing, is what has worked for you all with education? Education to specifically for me, what I would like to know is nurse managers 
that need to part, uh, collaborate and partner with you when they're reviewing an audit and teaching them what is expected of them and the process that you have designed that they are supposed to follow once there is someone of concern. So that's a specific what has worked well for you and what hasn't that I would like to know, but we can make it certainly uh, open to anything else and give Samantha some, some ideas to go on. All right, this is great. Thank you very much, Samantha, for spending the time with me. Absolutely. And uh, I look forward to talking with you more. And yeah, the, the community of those that are involved in this are what I have found to be a very open and collaborative community. So do not hesitate to ever reach out in whatever forums you find, because I find that people are, are very willing to share their yeah. experiences. Yeah. Thank you. Tim. Okay, thank you.